So when we're getting to know someone in a relationship, romantic context, we want to just take our time because what we say in those first couple dates, we may think that we're being honest. I'm not saying people are trying to be disingenuous or trying to present a false self, but I think it was Chris Rock that says, (laughs) when you're dating, initially you're not even dating the person, you're dating their representative (laughs) because we're all putting on our best foot forward. So we need to watch, we need to take the time to make sure that what they say matches their actions. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. And welcome to part three of our recent Love and Life live at Elliott's class, Interpersonal Relationships at Judson University. We wrapped up the evening by answering some questions from those watching the Instagram live and from Elliott's students in the audience. We tackle five questions that I actually hear all the time and so does Elliott. So it's likely you may have had or are having this same question too. Number one, what is appropriate pacing for a relationship? Number two, butterflies, are we looking for them or is it better to go for that calm feeling? Number three, how can we know his or her intentions? Number four, How do I know if my attraction is healthy or if it's from trauma from my past? And number five, how can we deal with conflict if we both tend to be the type of people who want to avoid conflict at all costs? Elliot and I share our thoughts on these really important questions right after this. I'd love to connect with you via my weekly newsletter. Joining the Love and Life email list ensures you're the first to know everything going on in the Love and Life family. You'll receive insider perk pricing for consultations and events, and it's the best way to keep in touch when I do what the research suggests is very healthy and take breaks from social media. Subscribe on my website, loveandlifemedia.com. And as a bonus, you'll get my free Empowered Dating Playbook. The first question is, what's a good pace for connection in a healthy relationship? In general, when we're talking about pacing, full disclosure right away is not safe for you. We talk a lot about vulnerability. There's a psychologist called Brene Brown. Many of you probably have heard of her, and she does a a ton of work on vulnerability. And so we're in this era, also when we just go all out on social media There's a tendency oftentimes to do a little bit more self-disclosure that feels maybe good in the moment, but can set you up to be in a place where you're too vulnerable. We don't want to be judged right away by our darkest hour. We want to have disclosure and pacing go into a, a slow burn so that you are getting to know someone and sharing. And typically in uh, social psychology, we talk about levels of disclosure, self-disclosure. And in general, we'll feel more comfortable if we're matching each other. Have you guys ever been with someone who TMI, right? They start told you something kind of deep and personal way too early, whether it was even a friend. I remember with Judson, my very first roommate, I didn't know her, obviously, we got just put in the room together. And literally the first night that we knew each other, she was telling me some deep, deep stuff, deep trauma and 
pain that she had experienced. And it was just too much too soon. And so when we're getting to know someone in a relationship, romantic context, we want to just take our time because what we say in those first couple dates, we may think that we're being honest. I'm not saying people are trying to be disingenuous or trying to present a false self, but I think it was Chris Rock that says, (laughs) when you're dating, initially, you're not even dating the person, you're dating their representative (laughs) because we're all putting on our best foot forward. So we need to watch, we need to take the time to make sure that what they say matches their actions. That's another reason why we have to be careful building our initial stages of intimacy through text. Because remember in our communication theory, all the way back in like the first class, we talked about text being the least authentic form of communication, therefore the least authentic in building intimacy. So I know this generation texting is absolutely part of who you are, so I'm not saying don't be you, but recognize we can't align verbal and nonverbal through text, even with a good emoji game. (laughs) And I appreciate you guys coaching me on what's good emoji and what's bad, because I'm not very good at it. But we have to be careful trying to build that relationship through text because it's not going to have alignment or verification. And we can think something that Guy said in particular, ladies, means way more than he meant it to, to be. And then the next day you show up to do something with him and you're like totally ready to go thinking we're at next stage. And he was actually being a little bit dismissive and you didn't know it. So texting can be a part of the building, but I wouldn't take it as primary and recognize that as you build, we're wanting that alignment, and so take the painful energy to be together in person when at all possible, or at least FaceTime, or something that gives you visual and verbal at the same time. As you were speaking, another thing came to mind that I think segues into this, especially for women. Again, unless he has asked you to be exclusive, to be his exclusive girlfriend, don't assume that you are. Because a lot of times, like you're saying, we get ahead of ourselves, we get excited, we're like, oh, I really want this to work. But if you don't have that understanding that you are exclusively dating, then if he's seeing other people, he's allowed. It's really none of your business. And what you do when you're not with him is none of his business. So, and that goes for men as well. Butterflies, are we looking for them or that calm feeling? Yeah, I'm gonna say both and. If you don't have butterflies, like the Zaza Zoo, the, whew, like, I just, I can't even think right now. All I can think about is this guy I'm just talking to. Oh my gosh. If you don't have that, what are you doing? That's a friendship. If you don't feel those butterflies, that's a friendship. You need to have that, that chemistry, that romantic chemistry that you're feeling viscerally. So, I mean, like when I was first falling for someone, I couldn't eat which was great because I'm like, cool, I'll just lose a couple pounds. But, but yeah, so if you don't have that physiological response and it doesn't have to be massive, it doesn't have to strike you down, and like weak in the knees, but it has to be there initially and has to grow a little bit or a lot, ideally. But you also, Elliot spoke to it earlier, you want a sense of security and calm. And what I would really encourage, I know that a lot of the women in my community are like me and it they're maybe single a lot longer than they had hoped to be or would plan to be, you can start to believe maybe that what you're hoping for, that total package, like could I really be have those crazy, exciting, romantic feelings for someone and also feel secure and safe with them? Yes, it's absolutely available to you. And part of it is, as we talk about on the podcast all the time, it's part about that mindset so that you are believing that it's available, maintaining hope, and then... When you believe that something's possible, you'll see it more. This goes back to social psych, the confirmation bias. We talk about whatever I believe, 
is true, I will see more examples of that in my world. And I can elaborate on that if anyone wants. But the idea is that if I'm like been hurt so much, no guys, all the guys out there, they're, so, they're no good and they just are players and they're all narcissists. If that's what I'm running around saying in my head all day, I will absolutely see them. It's been researched many, many times and it's a true reality of the way that our cognitive processes and the, our behavior intersect. And so we want to make sure that we keep that hope that, that both are possible. Elliot, what do you think? Yeah, and because men are so visually oriented, if the man asks you out, you can feel secure he thinks you're good looking. I don't know a single man who's ever came up to me and said, I don't think she's very attractive, but I want to ask her out, what should I do? That's just not how guys do. Now, I'm not saying girls will go out with a guy that they don't find attractive, but I think you're willing to make a holistic decision where men don't tend to be that oriented initially. So on this butterfly thing, we covered this on the last podcast episode a couple weeks ago. Yeah, this question, a variation of this variation question, question came in. So you can go so and listen to that, yeah. listeners. What we talked about, it can build for women differently. So you can say, well, I kind of like him and I kind of think he's handsome and I kind of think there's skills there. But then once you get into the relationship a little bit and the dating starts, you go, oh, wow, it is a general attractive movement. And then the butterflies can actually increase. And so I just wanted to give that kind of solidification of that process as well. What is a good question to gauge a person's intentions? I'm going to go out here. Again, this is research science-based. I have a lot of podcast episodes on it. But I do not believe that as a woman, I never did this, that I would ever ask a guy, what are we doing? What is this? What am I to you? That immediately puts you lower in status in his mind. You watch and you gather information and you do not assume that you are anything more in his life than hanging out with him when he asks you to spend time with him or when you run into each other and go grab ice cream or whatever. And for the lady's perspective, to help, their, help them understand a man's style... If you're a woman, because most of Karen's audience is women, yeah. and wanting to know what his intentions are, start pulling back a little bit and watch what happens. You're playing games. No, I'm not. I'm being honest and real and making him pursue and making him make an intention. And if he asks you, hey, how come you don't want to hang out anymore? You're saying, well, because we're not exclusive. And so I'm just wanting to do some other things. You're not trying to be mean or play a game with him. You don't have to say, oh, I'm, I'm back online. I got six dates coming. Right. But if he's not exclusive, that doesn't, that's not unfair either. So I, I'm just going to bring that to a head without asking him, hey, what's your intention with me? Well, and for me, it was also, I didn't know the science behind it at the time, but it was a more secure position. Because if I'm blowing up his phone, I don't know if he was going to reach out that day. But if I just lean back and let him text and call, then I know that he's interested in me. And if you lean back and retreat and it goes a week without hearing anything, you have your answer. You got your answer. Yeah, I don't think you even have to ask that question because it became obvious and... And then unless he pursues a lot stronger, I would open yourself back up for other possibilities. If you're a man and wanting to know the intention, ask. <laughs> so that's, that's as simple as that one gets. It's, yeah, yeah, it's a different playing field. Yeah, just flat out ask her. And it might be too early and she has every right to say, well, I'm not sure. Well, then you don't know. And I don't think you have a right when you're not exclusive to like demand that out of her. But at least she now knows that you're interested in moving in that direction. And she can also give you, I would recommend giving a, a more of an answer than, well, we'll see. I would say something like, I'm, I'm so flattered that you asked that. And I just at this, I like to take things a little slowly because I want to gather information and get to know each other. I, don't, I, I think you can rush something and that can 
not work out in the end. So I, I like you a lot. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy our time together and I'm definitely interested in continuing to get to know each other. And if either one of you use an ultimatum, run. Ultimatums are awful. They're so in the early, are you saying early days or like put any, a ring on it, it or I'm out? Anytime. <laughs> anytime ultimatum. And especially women, I understand if you're frustrated with the man's passivity and a lack of movement, but giving him an ultimatum immediately emasculates him and puts him in a one-down position that even if he does respond in the way you want now, he did it to cater. And now you don't even know if it was true intention anyway because you gave him an ultimatum. He had no choice. Uh, and so I have many couples in my office about that issue in the, like we've lived together for four years and she's had it. And of course you and I would say, we well, shouldn't live with him without the commitment anyway. Uh, she lowered her status. Put that ultimatum on him. Then he's like, hey, what, what's the big deal? And we have an episode on why are so many men so passive in relationships? Mm-hmm. So Elliot has spoken to that extensively in that episode. Is there another one, Tim, you want to throw out or? Our satisfaction and joy in life is directly related to our satisfaction and joy in our relationships. Elliot and I are here to help. We'd love to design a workshop, seminar, or weekend retreat for your organization. We'll bring the psych research, of course, along with over 60 years of combined experience in psychotherapy. We'll share science-based therapeutic techniques within the context of a Christian worldview. We can level up in our relationships. Contact our producer, Tim May, at tim at loveandlifemedia.com to book us. So can you explain if attraction is sometimes starts from a pain trauma of the past to repeat the same bad relationship? I think they're saying... Yeah, we got it. Yeah, so that's probably... She's concerned about recapitulation of family of origin issues. So, classic example would be a woman who keeps dating emotionally unavailable men. And what she is, her family of origin issue is probably father distance or father absence. And so in adulthood, she couldn't control that her dad took off when she was young. But in adulthood, she wants to somehow correct what went wrong when she was powerless in childhood. In adulthood, now where she has control by, I'll date this guy and he's emotionally distant, but this time I'll get this guy to connect with me, to bond with me, and stay with me. And it'll make up for the fact that dad was not around. It actually makes a lot of sense. Most of it's subconscious. (laughs) Totally, totally. She's not doing this on a conscious level at all. It makes sense, but it also will keep her being wounded and in trauma again and again in her adulthood from the same kind of trauma she had in her past. This question is talking about attraction. Can I trust my attraction? Because this woman is correct, whoever asked this question. Often well, actually, it was a guy who asked the question. <laughs> Sorry, thank you. Yes. Sometimes I just think it's all my, ladies in my community. But so it, the same could be true for a man. If he could have a mother wound that he's trying to sort out in his, his adult relationships. The concern is, and it's a very valid one, is that oftentimes our initial attraction can be based on our dysfunction. So how do we suss that out? How do I know yeah. if that, that feeling, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have this visceral attraction. I see this guy and I'm like, whoo, he is really looking good to me. And how do I know that what I'm feeling is, could be healthy? Because we've talked about all night. We want a really strong attraction to our partner, obviously. How do I know if that's a healthy, like, whoa, we have potential or that that is a, a manifestation of trauma from the past? And, and to recognize if you do have trauma and you're aware you have trauma and you're not working on healing from that trauma, it's going to stay there. So for the question and then for anybody who's going through that or recognize that from your past, 
you got to do some intentional work on that. I have had couples say, well, I struggle with panic attacks and then I start dating this guy and then panic attacks continued. So I broke up. I said, well, we can't make an automatic association that this guy is giving you more panic attacks because the panic attacks were there without him. So let's work on that healing first before we make that uh, association or conditional association that he's automatically not good for me because the panic attack could be related and panic attacks can become addictive and it can be actually, uh, this sounds weird, but panic attacks can be a positive response that your body doesn't know how to handle. Mm -hmm. And so physiologically, it goes into that mode once it gets a certain anxiousness, fight, flight, or freeze that causes it and it might be positive. It might be because they're so excited that this could be a good guy. So there's just so much layers to that question that you brought, Tim, from that listener. Thank you for the question. Um, but I hope we covered at least little pieces of each. And I would just say, in, in one of the ways to suss out if it's more of a dysfunctional attraction and intensity of attraction versus something that could be healthy is that safety piece we've been talking about. So as you're starting to get to know them, if you have that intense attraction physically, that's awesome. And if you're starting to develop a sense that this is also someone I can feel safe with, this is someone I can feel secure with, someone I can trust, that's gonna let you know that you're probably in the realm of this could be a really good thing, that triangular consummate love we talked about earlier. If you don't feel safe, if it's really intense attraction with also like severe, like, I don't know, this guy's a live wire or this girl's, I mean, she's like here and there and everywhere, then you don't feel that safety. It's a really good indication that it's probably something you need to go talk to Elliot about. Just saying. He has or, a lot of clients. Or other but. therapists. How do you deal with conflict when you're both avoiders? So avoid conflict. <laughs> yeah. Good times, good times. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, you got to recognize, recognize you're both avoiders and talk about that. So you know what that, what does that mean? Because a teddy bear avoider is different than a turtle avoider. And I think um, you're right, Karen. We got to get the conflict thing on your, on your podcast. We so totally we have to do that. That's going to be so it. good. And you're so good at it because you've just taught it for so many years. Yeah. You're really well versed in it. Well, the other thing that comes to mind right away, if we're talking about avoider versus stonewalling. So the Gottmans are like the premier marital researchers, psychologists, it's John and Julie Gottman, and they've done a ton of studies on this. And one of the, called the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the predicting divorce is if you stonewall. Mm -hmm. So it's one thing to avoid and be like, I need a moment. Cause I'm, I'm the kind, like we talked about earlier, I like to have a moment, I gotta process. Cause I don't wanna, I don't wanna scream out and, and say something that I'm gonna regret later that I don't even mean, but I'm just mad. So that's one thing to go to your corners and cool down, collect your thoughts, <laughs> that sort of thing, and then come back together. But then the other side of what could be look like avoidant, but actually could be, that's the silent treatment when yeah. you refuse. And I mean, I know of people, couples that I've interacted with where, I mean, some people are really good at that and they can shut you down. Yeah, we'll post days. the documents on Karen's site for the listeners. Yeah. I, I passed out to our class, the conflict killers, and we're talking about that kind of thing right here. So right? Stonewalling, silent treatment, those are conflict killers. They actually kill the benefit of the conflict. So if you're two avoiders, you got to talk about it when you're not in conflict because the moment it gets intense, you're both going to drop out. So maybe one of those thematic date nights, let's talk about as two avoiders. Yeah. Let's not shame each other about that. Let's appreciate, affirm, and accept that we're both avoiders. It's going to keep it calmer in the house. You know that. <laughs> but let's make sure the issues that need to be talked about, we have a game plan. You're going to need a structure. You're going to have to have almost like a little rule and you can even give it pet names so it doesn't feel too intense about, hey, Panda's got um, an issue he needs to bring up at some point. And then you have like a set time where you go meet and you might need to write them out. There's all kinds of ways you can do it that'll really make it beneficial and not be a negative. That's a really good question, though, because it, is. it could really cause a chasm. 
just like two confronters can never stop fighting. Right. So it's, it's both building game plans, building structures. Well, I want to thank Dr. Karen. Can we clap for Dr. Karen? Join us tonight. Thank you. The love and life hack for this week is knowledge is power. And we can empower ourselves in our pursuit of deep, meaningful, intense, and authentic intimacy. We hope this love and life live has helped you on your love journey toward this type of intimacy. Thank you as always for choosing to spend a portion of your day with us today. Elliot will be back on the program very soon to delve into the next couple topics in our series on woundedness. As you know, we've done the father wound, mother wound. We've done the divorce wound. Now we're going to look at the sibling wound, how your sibling relationships may be impacting your current romantic partnerships. Also the sexual wound, are prior sexual experiences influencing your current relationship choices and behavior? And also the spiritual wound. As a pastor, Elliot has seen spiritual woundedness play out in the couples with whom he's worked over the last 30 years. We invite you to join us for a deep dive around these most critical and pervasive relationship concerns. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen Anderson April. And until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson April.